This episode of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live is brought to you in part by Viewfinders Identity Search and Design. Your choice for web design, graphic design, and all multimedia development needs. Visit VFISAD.com and let us bring your vision to reality. Hey folks, this is Brian O'Halloran. and you may know me from such films as Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and a whole bunch of Askew films. And you are listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. It's time, talk time, let's go. Anime, comics, movies, and games, to come on and let's get it. Talk time, anime, comics, movies, and games, to come on and let's get it. Talk time, anime, comics, movies, and games, to come on and let's get it. Talk time, anime, comics, movies, and games, to come on and let's get it. Talk time, live. Started in the 80s with Matt Cross. Dudes in the hood might have called that soft, but I carried that cross like Jesus did. Fast forward, I teach the kids to learn how to let go, live life, and show love to all things that don't matter where y'all from. And luckily, there's a show called Talk Time. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Dax kicks the facts on all the geek news. Special guests and unbiased reviews. Suburban kids, the hipster street dudes, all can learn something new. Me too. I heard worse when no faith is empty. I stayed the course though my haters tempt me. Beep the podcast, that'll make them envy. It ain't too trendy. It's ACMG. Anime, comics, movies, and games that come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games that come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games that come on and let's get it. Talk time. Anime, comics, movies, and games that come on and let's get it. Talk time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the journal of my life that covers all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah, and uh, we got another fun show today. This is the final show before I head off to New York Comic Con and cover that crazy big event. And um, I got to say, once again, Repop, to their credit, they have they are so resilient when it comes to stuff like this. They were resilient during the pandemic, and they were able to you know work things around for that. I was a part of that. Uh, happy to be a part of that back then. Um, I They have been able to, you know, they were the first successful, you know, live panel to really happen in the midst of the ending of the pandemic. You guys remember when they came out, everything went smoothly at the time. Then Anime New York came out and it was chaos <laughs> during the first few hours of that whole thing. That was just and it was like ground zero for what people believe was the new variant or whatever like that. But it turns out it wasn't. And it was, they, but Repop has always been smooth in how they do things. And I knew the people behind it. So shout out to them and how they put things together. But they managed to once again maneuver around again to make a promising, possibly the best show this year in light of the SAG After Strike and the WGA strike that went on. No longer, actually, but SAG After Strike is still happening. And they managed to have a great showing here. I mean, we're going to talk about that and what's new in the world of ACMG coming soon and talk about what's to expect there and what's happening, you know, what I'm going to be looking forward to. But just I, I, I really am happy to have been a part and work with a group like them, even if for a short time. Um, off and on, I work with them, you know, times of time. But I, it's just a great pleasure to 
have an experience with a company that really knows what the hell they're doing. I've worked with corporate offices before. I've worked with companies. Um, I just felt like they just missed the mark on some things in different industries. And this one here, I, it just made me feel like at home. When I worked with Repop for the, in 2021, when I did panel work with them or liaison with them for you to get some of my clients and other people that I know working with them to you know be a guest, one of which will be back there this year. We'll talk about that. But I, I, I really appreciate how they work, their work ethic, their planning, their passion. And when I work with them to do some of the panels that I did, which you could check out on talktimelive.com, it was so smooth. It was everything I've ever wanted to have in a team. I, I had co-hosts in here before that I wanted to do stuff like this before, but they just never made it to that level. And they didn't understand the, the grind that goes into it. And, you know, it became a stagnant situation. But when I started going on my own, because I understood what goes into it and I kept it moving and I managed to, you know, end up working with Repop and we end up doing video, you know, panels and stuff like that. And working with that group was so on point. I never had to worry. They were working behind the scenes when I was working a panel. So I didn't have to do all the extra stuff like I do right now. And it just, even if it was just for one time, it was just so great to feel that, but I really would love to have a team like that before. So if you're listening, and you have experience in doing this and you want to work with me and you know we can have fun doing this we can work hard to have fun look let me know i'm always welcome if you got the passion and grind and will and want i'm always willing to work with people like that you know so uh because those people understand that there's a benefit to it when all the hard work is said and done and i've worked my ass off to get talk time live up the way it is and you know which led me to working with them and working with sunday night's main event in canada from time to time as well and you know being on their radio show from you know every once in a while like this stuff didn't happen just for happening it happened because i had the qualifications and they people saw that so but i digress you know being able to cover new york comic-con which is like this arguably one of the two biggest con conventions out there like you could give dragon con a you know a, a definite third but it's always a runner up a runner up between san diego and new york because they always bring it i think this year in my opinion because of what new york was able to do they may be the the best con this year because unfortunately san diego comic-con came during right about the time when the strike began so a lot of the actors weren't able to commit to doing panels because a lot of it when when you do panels at san diego comic-con a lot of them comes from you know upcoming events like the marvel panels at hall h there's a lot of announcements and all the stuff that was going to be mentioned at those uh cons but they couldn't do it because of the strike so they can't promote any new things however you know they got the 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 spider-man 2 because it's a video game industry and that goes under different you know terms and and qualify and and um stipulations if you will so they were able to do that thank goodness they were able to do that they had that was like the big marquee event which is normally on a normal year that would not have been even that probably wouldn't even made hall h to be honest like it, 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 it made Hall H by default because they could and they needed something to put up there. But normally, Marvel Studios would have been up there. 
DC would have been up there. Like a lot of different announcements. Like they would have saved that for that. And Marvel and Spider-Man 2 may have would have been like in ballroom 20 to that extent, which is like a it's like the second biggest hall that they got, but nowhere near as big as Hall H, to what I understand. Um, and they took they took advantage of that. So yes. Straight up to like uh repop, they were able to maneuver that. They still got stars there, but they were they got stars that are coming that aren't promoting anything new, but they're talking about things that they've already done. So I it's it's really cool, but they couldn't really necessarily promote it as these are the stars of this particular movie because that's advertised in the movie. But they were able to work around that. And I love what they did with that. And so they got Chris Evans, who's no longer really doing Captain America movies or anything like that. Um, he's not doing anything recent, but they're going to, they have him on air to do panels, to do, um, you know, other stuff. They got Ian McGregor back to, you know, do things they got. They do have the cast of Guardians of the Galaxy, but they don't call it the Guardians of the Galaxy panel, but it is what it is. So they were able to work around that. And then they also have another panel that's coming up too. So, I mean, they you know by circumstance they may be the biggest and successful convention this year just because of who they were able to pull out so again cool shout out to them i love this but we do have that to talk about we have some other things to talk about uh in the world of our favorite fandoms and then at the on our talk topic of the week today we're going to be talking about the premiere debut episode of Loki season two which has already come and gone so i'll get my thoughts about that and where they're probably going from there so let's not waste any time folks i've spoken more than enough about this let's find out what's new in the world of acmg and now it's time to find out what's new in the world of acmg going to start off with some gaming news in the world of CD Projekt Red. Um, they just there was an article out on IGN that was talking about how much they invested into rebuilding and redeeming themselves with Cyberpunk 2077. If you guys remember, Cyberpunk 77 came out with an expansion pack that I call one of the best game experiences this year. The one of the only games that I gave this year, uh, aside from Burning Shores from Horizon Forbidden West, which was also an expansion, that I gave a complete perfect score of uh, A+, plus, uh, for, a score for 100, a 400 in my grading system, which leads to an A+. Plus. Hundreds all around. It's like if you go bowling and you, you bowl a perfect 300, that's what basically Burning Shores and Phantom Liberty's done. The question is, are they going to be nominated as game of the year or expansions of the year? And that, because both of those games have been out already prior to, so it's an expansion to a game that's already out. And that's still debatable. I mean, we're, we'll see what's going to happen with the game awards coming down and all these other ones. Cause if you guys don't know the game awards, you know, the people who vote on the game awards are mostly people from different various parts of um media the media world like the IGNs and the game spots and the game informers and you know all those other guys which some of them I, I I trust in terms of reviews and some of them I don't IGN um who a lot of times their reviews are you know their reviews like my when I review things I review from my own fan experience but when they review things 
they review almost in a Fox Newsy type of way, where it's like their word is law. And people cling on to that because they are they're able to have the marketing and, and, and promotion to put themselves out there to a wider range of people. And because of that, it makes them feel like they're bigger than life. And people often lean on to their opinions and, and, and you know, as if it was facts. So it, it especially irks me when they come out with these top 25 or 50 or 100 list, but they word it in a way that it's agreed upon by everybody, by fans and everybody alike. It's not. It's voted as made upon by the writer who automatically says that this is the greatest of all time. I never like doing that. That's why if you ever listen to one of my reviews, I mean, not my reviews, but my top list, I will say the top 25 or the top 10 of my time giving my views on what I think is my favorite, you know, or, or what I think is the best. That's my view. So it, it's subjective at best and it, it always should, but they, I had a conversation with somebody on about that and they try to make it seem like it was common. Now let me know you like you and me both know that it's opinionated, but there are people who swear by this on social media. I mean, let's be real. There are people on social media who are not, who not as open-minded and aware. I'll just put it like that. And they will, they're, they're, they're the target audience that they look at because those people don't use critical thinking and they don't go in to understand, you know, think, you know, double thinking or double checking certain aspects of what they're doing. You know, and some of them could be kids as well. who don't, who don't know how to really like, wait, let me think twice about this for a sec. So, there are people who hang on to that, but I, I, as a person who reads, actually reads, but who reads reviews from IGN, Game Informer, and all that stuff, I sometimes I question IGN a lot. Like they're very Fox Newsy in in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, whereas they try to make you think that you know um, opinion is fact in a lot of ways. And you guys remember. These were the same guy. These were the same people who, for some reason, and this is why I question a lot of reviews of certain certain media outlets. These are the same people who voted in the Game Awards. Best fighting game of last year was none other than Multiverses, which was the Warner Brothers melee fighter that came out. And I remember, oh, it, 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 it's a lot of quote unquote influencers also sweared by this, this multiverses too, only for this same game to shut down later on. Like it, it literally shut down, it shut down until 2024 because yeah, people praised it way too early. And all of a sudden it, people started realizing like, there's really nothing to do in this game. Just you know, like when you compare this game to uh, Smash Brothers, which is like the, the original OG, you know, melee fighter, which, you know, smash ultimate is the greatest melee game of them all. It has so much you can do in that game, so much depth and no microtransactions or loot systems or whatever like that, that will try to nickel and dime you. You Nintendo doesn't play that. Like it's sell it's there to celebrate the best of the best in the video game history. And they were the first ones to do it. And they were the best ones to do it. 
so multiverses came out and people gave it high praise gave it great reviews voted it fighting game of the year which still pisses me off to this day because there were other fighters that came out and i was like wait how did this beat how the hell did this beat uh, the, the fighting games that it came out with? and I'm, I'm going to, i'm going into i'm going into the categories to see if i could find what was put in here last year and I, I just i just i was blown away by the idea of this but i say this to say like i don't know where I don't know exactly where um, they're going to categorize these. And I think this should be an expansion category because it's it's I don't know. It's it's a weird thing that you have a game that is like pretty much a full a whole new full game. But do you categorize it as a full game or do you categorize it as an expansion standalone extension of the, the deal? So, OK, here it is real quick. Multiverses beat DNF Duel, which it's I, I, when I've reviewed it, I considered this to be Guilty Gear Light because it had the look and presentation of Guilty Gear, but not the performance or depth of features and storytelling that Guilty Gear uh, had. Any of the Guilty Gears. It went up against JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R, which I thought that was a really great game, even though I also say that that was another one that could have had a better arcade mode or story mode to it. But, you know, playability, much better than Multiverses. King of Fighters 15, probably the best of them all, if you, you know, as, as like actual fighting games. And that actually did have a solid storyline um story mode although not the best it was still a little bit archaic in the presentation but it was still like the king of fighters that you love and then you had sifu and i don't understand why sifu was in this category because this is basically a that was a brawler that wasn't even a fighting game that was a brawler um that was a beat-em-up it was it's one of the greatest beat-em-ups of all time like i compare this i compare sifu to virtual fighter five or whatnot like in terms of you know brawlers and, and beat-em-up uh games and stuff like that it's awesome but i don't think it's a fighting game i don't think it i think it was a filler because they did that there wasn't enough fighting games out uh at the time but no way it means hell multiverses should have won that category no way absolutely absolutely not they got it wrong and it, it was even proven and i think to me it really kind of diluted the impact of the game awards integrity because this game that was voted fighting game of the year from the game awards end up shutting down because they wanted to improve on it. The only thing that would made multiverse so good, it was a fun game for just for the playability aspect. If you got friends and all that stuff is good as a tag feature in there, that's kind of, you know, differentiates itself from other melee games. But other than that, that was it. There was nothing else there so they shut it down not many people people stopped playing that game after a while it should have never be any like any one of these guys could have got it i wouldn't have made sifu in there sifu should have been in the action adventure category or even an indie category which i think it was to that extent but 
it shouldn't have been in the fighting game category it just it, it just felt like a filler in there but king of fighters 15 probably should have gotten it more than any of them because i think they had the better presentation of all from that but it that just goes to show it's like who voted for this I, ign was involved GameSpot was involved game informer was involved who voted for this so I, i'm very interested going back to the expansion of you know burning shores and phantom liberty i'm wondering where they're going to go with this and how is that going to be voted accordingly so I'm, I'm very interested in seeing how that goes because both of those games as expansions were just incredible absolutely god burning shores was just so beautiful um phantom liberty was intense and chilling and you i i i feel like i am going to go back and watch and play the entire game from scratch again with um with uh with uh cyberpunk 2077 because there's one romantic angle that i did not do so that gives me the opportunity to just replay the game over again and then play phantom liberty again to have a different outcome than i did before but it, it's the replay value for both of them are insane but once you get into them it's hard to get off so if you got any other games that you're looking forward to come out with you better make sure there's nothing else at the time coming out when you do that so um but let's talk about the investment that has come you know going along with this game because like i said cd project red has the one of the greatest redemption stories i've ever had and i i heard I, somebody mentioned no man sky in the acmg facebook group and i i would be hard pressed to um agree with that, to not disagree with that because they also they came a long way a very very long way so it's it's safe to say that they may have actually also done it as well but the money that they reinvested into CD Projekt Red is insane. But guess what? Their 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 brand integrity was on the line. Their name was on the line. Um, in 2020, they had one of the worst releases in gaming history. One of them, because the again, Crystal Dynamics and Square Enix keeps getting out of the loop of this because of the the amount of impact that cyberpunk 77 had and who was involved it had keanu reeves in there at the time you know now has idris alba in it as well so it had one of the biggest hypes ever and it was had one of the biggest letdowns ever so it overshadowed crystal dynamics with marvel avengers um then we also had 2k games also who had a really bomb of a release for uh wwe 2k on the switch still at the time up until mortal kombat 1 was like one of the worst releases ever in gaming history and in in, in in the switch history i should say not the gaming history but switch history um so it you know the fact that they were able to come back and how they came back this is how i want every game company to pay attention to how these guys do it now granted it cost them a hell of a lot of money to do it but kudos to them because they wanted to make it right they really wanted to make this right they could have just done what 2k games do is just like screw you guys i'm gonna we're gonna keep making this game you're gonna keep buying it we're gonna keep not fixing the bugs that we have and we're just gonna make a whole nother game with the same issues that's what 2k games do but cyberpunk uh, uh cd project red said like no we're gonna redeem ourselves we're gonna show that we are because we had a great run with the witcher series and and now we're gonna we're gonna show prove that this is the game that you've been wanting to play and i am i am now a bigger fan of this company because of what they did 
and how they did it and the, the lengths that they went to go do it so let's talk about that like this a lot of this included doing damage control with the production of the edge runner series anime on the netflix and like i said that really helped bring in a lot of people back all those people a lot of people who like myself who distanced themselves from this game because of the experience that they had um gave this anime a try and loved the storytelling and loved the characters and by the end of it, it was like you know what I think i might give this a try again and people are saying that they fixed it they they made they made mass improvements with it and you get it back and you they charge you only 24 dollars, which is a big loss for them because they lost a ton of cash on this because they had to give refunds back and then just to bring people back they only charged them 20 like a third of what the game uh, was originally uh sold for so we all came back on $24 after already getting back what 60 or $70 for the game. We decided to invest in it. Cause it's like, all right, it's $24 at least if it's screw still screwed up, then screw it. It's it's, we're not losing anything, but we gained a lot. And they, that, that, that is so commendable. Cause not many game companies do that. I, I really appreciate how they did this and what Hey, they spent back a lot. So according to IGN here, CD Projekt Red spent 125 million on Cyberpunk 2077 post-launch, you know, uh, you know, development, repairing the game's reputation with the Edge Runner series and the update 2.0 patch, which really changed the game, literally, and the well-received Phantom Liberties expansion. CD Projekt Red announced on October 5th that the expansion, starring Idris Alba, cost a hefty 200 and 75 million Polish slotty, which in American currency, US currency is around 62.7 million. Uh, that is what it costs to develop it. And approximately 95 million Polish slotty. And you guys remember CD Projekt Red is from Poland. It's another uh, country. And, um, you know, the marketing for this was, you know, 95 million uh, Polish slotty, which, uh, slotty, or which in equivalent in US dollars is 21.6 million. Again, I had this conversation with a former ACMG member and during the old era because he didn't understand why games would delay the game, the release of their games on a day that a major game is going to be released. I've, if you listen to the show before, I've told a story before, but for those who are new to this show, I'll say it again. God of War Ragnarok came out. And they like CD Projekt Red, PS Studios, Santa Monaco Games spent an enormous amount of money on marketing and promotion for this game, let alone development. But the marketing and promotion for this game was huge. They hired, they acquired LeBron James and his son, Ben Stiller. And his daughter, and who was the third one? I forgot the third one. There was somebody else that they hired for that for that campaign as well. Um, but they hired all these celebrities to do this do these campaigns, and it was like there's no way anybody with their right mind is going to try to sell their game on the same day 
as God of War, unless it was probably Zelda. Unless it was Nintendo with a Mario game or Zelda game. That's the only games I could see that is possibly can make a dent in the in the, in the, in the process of um, of them. Maybe even Capcom with Street Fighter or something like that. Maybe Mortal Kombat to that extent. There's a, there, there, only iconic games can rival something of the massive power, like promotional power of God of War. You know, you, you just can't. Um, Spider-Man could do that. Um, there's some games that can, but if you're like an indie game or if you're like a mid-level game or something like that, you know, you're a cult, you're a cult following game, you're not going to put your game and release it the same day as something of the level of God of War or Horizon Forbidden West or, you know, Spider-Man. Like, you're not. You're not going to make a dime. And what's going to happen is that our short attention society of a, of a, um, our, our, basically our short attention society will eventually forget that your game even exists because they're going to be playing that game for days on end, forgetting that you, you know, there's another game on sale that's supposed to be much anticipated. But it's been overshadowed by the amount of money that's been put in for marketing. The guy did not understand what that. And, and it's like, when you, when, when he said that, I was like, this is why you don't run your own business because you don't understand that aspect. If you put something out there and have it compete with God of War and it doesn't have the same buzz, it doesn't have the same lineage. It doesn't have the same legacy and success as the God of War series you're going to get overshadowed. It's best to move your game a month away where people have probably played the game, beat the game, have enjoyed the game. And there's something new. You need to have an open spot. You need to have some, so like some open landscape in order to do that. And it's just not wise. So you gotta, you gotta be able, you gotta be smart when you pay, spend that much money on a promotion, you damn sure expect that you're going to get results for that. It helped CD Projekt Red, it helped PS Studios all the time when they did this stuff. And my God, it, it's like uh, that much money was insane. Like Sony put in a lot of money. These guys put in millions of dollars. Goes to show how much, how much success they have in, in the game development. You know, um, Chief Financial Officer Pietro uh, Nilla Boze, Boes, I'm butchering the hell out of this name, forgive me, um, has said the CD Projekt Red Investor Day presentation that bringing in CD uh, Cyberpunk up to next-gen console standards, presumably including the game-changing updated uh, update 2.0, costs 178 million Polish slotty, which in US currency is around 40.9 million. That is a lot of money and part of that could pay my loan in a snap <laughs> my student loan that is um so you know what i'm saying like it's 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 crazy all those three figures together uh, together leads up to 546 million polish slotty which is around 125.9 million dollars in u.s currency amazing and what happened because of that the freaking game is one of the best games of the year. Now, granted, it is safe to say, like, if they were, they were, it, it, it might be safe to say, could be wrong, but I could be right. 
that if they had it all together in the first place, they probably would have had not spent all that money or lost so much money if they did you know if in 2020 this game was what it is right now they probably would have gotten way more money than they got now but it's safe to say that they probably accrued occurred all that accrued all that money back but at what cost because it was like three years later now so they took a really big loss from it and then spent on it and this is the part i'm telling people a lot about spending versus investing these guys are investors. They invested in themselves. They spent the money to invest because they knew they had a product that will guarantee be a popular thing for gamers alike. And they didn't care about the loss. They knew that in about a few years, when we put this new update together, people are going to love it. People are going to praise it and we're going to get our money back for it. They took that loss. They were not afraid. They knew what they were expecting to get back once they're done there's a difference and i tell people all this time when i work with clients and as a freelancer with my um you know as a multimedia developer and uh, freelancer i tell people all the time there are two types of people when it comes to this there are people who focus on spending and people who focus on investing those who focus on spending does not see the bigger picture and they're when they're trying to tighten their belts or trying to get you know full quality for half the price they usually lose out i've every client that i've worked with who tried to do that they don't last you cannot will and deal your way to, into everything sometimes you have to save up get your capital on point to know how much you're going to need to do to get this done and then from there expect some loss but also know what your what, what the end game goal is down the line CD Projekt Red believed in themselves enough to know the end game goal, and it's paying off for them finally. And of course, they suffered a major loss trying to rush release the game on the PS4 and other aspects. Um, and it, it, they took that risk and they lost, but they didn't give up. And I, again, this story is just so great. Um, I think the CD Projekt Red and what they did is one of those things that you know they should teach in school like rather in business classes with uh, under game development or just game development in general like th this is a to me if i was a professor if i had a syllabus i would actually add cd projects red uh cyberpunk 2077 journey into that because there's a lot of lessons to learn both in game development and business and to see what they've gone now and i'd be interested to see how much they made from this game and you know the, the idris alba aspect of it too was just so great uh it was a very smart deal i thought they did a tremendously great job with this and it looks like you know they they're they're off to a great start and now there's talks about witcher 4 which you know i'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that um on a you know on a platform on a larger you know on a new gym platform i can only imagine how awesome that is going to be so we'll see about that um let's move on to some other news but in reference to gaming well there's going to be a lot of gaming you know news and discussions in this episode in this segment alone but castlevania nocturne which i um talked about last week it released probably i out of the two i love the first 
series, but this series is based on Richter Belmont, who is looking to be like the best Belmont of them all, because this dude has, he's has magical abilities as well as he could throw that whip. And the Belmont, you know, uh, legacy continues with him, but it's during the French Revolution and, and you know, the slave times, the slave times and everything. So they added a lot of the, that history into this storyline. And I thought it was so tremendously done. On top of that, it also has some of the best drawn black characters ever in anime. I will debate that. Like there's been some great, there's been some great anime out there that had that. And we spoke about that last week, but there's been some eh, that too. But all that led to a successful first season. That successful first season has now led this to a new season being renewed by Netflix. So we will see the continuation of Richter Belmont's journey. Who I can spoil this now because if you haven't watched it already, you know, we got Alucard back at the end of this, which I thought was fantastic. So, I mean, just like in a video game, Alucard is, you know, Dracula's son and he is immortal. So he's now going to, he, you know what he reminds me of now? I didn't even think about this before, but if you watch Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, they have the Speedwagon Foundation. And if you go back to the first season of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, you know, the character Speedwagon is a guy who's who knows what's going on in the world of Jojo and all the all of the things that are going on uh, with everybody in the Joe Star family. So Speedwagon has de dedicated his entire life to protecting and preserving the Joe Star legacy and helping the Joe Stars throughout time. He created an entire company based around protecting the Joe Star family and the legacy. So Alucard to me, you know, even after Speedwagon has died, his his uh, next of kin have also taken over to help the Joe Stars and whatever they need or whatnot. So um, this kind of reminds me of that, like. Alucard is now like the speed wagon of this series because every single, it seems like every single generation of, 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 uh, Belmonts that have come out, he will be there to protect them. So he is back with this new generation of people. And I love every bit of these characters. Annette, especially like Annette is awesome. Annette is the former, I believe the former slave who got who got her freedom and now she's like a hunter if you will of some sorts or a bounty hunter of some sorts so that's working with richter and all those guys so i love what they did i love the subject matter i love these you know the b story of the whole thing and stuff like that and how she got her revenge of the slave master who was also a vampire as well and the weaving of storytelling is just so awesome so i was not after when i finished watching that series i was like this is getting another series. Hell yeah, it is. So yeah, they're getting another series. This Netflix, like say what you will, there are going to be a lot of streaming networks that are going to be raising prices. Um, I guess in spite, I don't know if it's in light of the SAG after strike, but it's in, in spite of, and here's the thing. I, a lot of Disney is raising prices. I know Netflix is raising prices. Hulu's also raising prices because they are Disney. So it makes me believe when they're, when I hear and see actions happen like this, I feel like this is them telling us that the SAG after strike is about to end 
and these guys may get what they want out of this but we are they're taking it out on us they're going to take it out on us in hindsight to this so um again as customers first and not fans you have to you know think about whether you want to invest in all this and i mean for some it may be worth it there are some other it's a way of saying like if we all work together and say like no what's going to happen you know i i like i would like for us to believe that we have more power than we think like yes we are fans of these things but we can also have a say in these things as well because we give them the money that they need to do what they're doing but we never go into it thinking that we have any say we do we can say we don't want to pay or we will pay and if many of us think about that and we all just decide to stop paying they're going to do whatever the hell we want to just to get our business that's just plain and simple the funny thing is we actually do it unknowingly you know consciously or subconsciously do it with other you know companies and products that we don't invest in so you gotta you know just think cautiously when you do but i will give netflix credit they're putting in a lot of awesome things we talked about that before where a lot of great shows are coming in 2024 and some later this year scott pilgrim is one of them like i i'm all for that like i'm celebrating scott pilgrim all november trust me on the acmg facebook group so stay tuned for that i love that series i love that graphic novel i love the movie i love the soundtrack i love that they're coming out with an anime on top of that so netflix is giving people what they want you know and they're working hard to do so and again redeeming themselves from a lot of other live action anime adaptations that they came out with um definitely I, I will just say that that didn't live up and now they're having some stuff that live up we got one piece yu yu Hakusho. god i you know i love one piece but i'm if you tell me one anime to watch and only one it's going to be yu yu Hakusho. and i swear i pray that we get a great live action adaptation of that because that is one of my greatest animes of all time top five top five indeed so hopefully we'll see that but you know hooray for castlevania shout out to them and uh look forward to that next season man definitely all right going back to some other gaming related news actor jennifer hell who actually was supposed to be one of my guests at the overwatch panel in 2029 for keystone comic-con one of my first workings with repop or partnerships with repop at the time and i they gave me the opportunity to you know for talk time live to host the overwatch panel at in phil here in philadelphia and jennifer hell was supposed to be the other person joining us with myself and fred tattishore and um and uh, charlotte chung um and she fell ill that day i went to go meet with her and turns out that she was leaving early because she wasn't feeling good and she was very sweet very angelic persona um but we never got a chance to connect since but she later on to get a lot of roles she remember she was um chronica in mortal kombat 11 one of the best mortal kombats ever now uh she and she also appeared on mortal kombat 1 too because you know do you know the story and plot there is a chronic like figure involved in this in that story but um which i i love that they added that on it was a great throw off um for that but she also became the new voice of 
Bayonetta, which led to a lot of big controversy between the between Platinum Games, her to some extent, and Helena Taylor, if you guys remember. But just recently, Jennifer Hale says that she she opened up and uh to say that she only got paid. If you guys remember, she also played Naomi Hunter in the legendary game Metal Gear Solid, but she revealed that she only got paid $1,200 for her role in that game. This is all in light of the recent coming of the SAG after strike against the game company, uh, the game community or the game industry. Once again, second time, first time was like a couple years ago, which by the way, the only other episode, this is the last episode, but I will be throwing up the full episode of myself with Stephanie Shea as we talked about that last strike that they, uh, that the voice actors went up against um, from there. So um, there's going to be some similarities and relevancies to what's going on here. But the recent Bayonetta actress talked about, talked to the My Perfect Console podcast while um, talking about the residuals earned during the development of the legendary game according to the new yorker though hell said that in 2011 metal gear solid made 270 million dollars although in her recent podcast appearance on that show she stated that the figure she heard was 176 okay so this is a situation a very similar situation that we've heard before slot not not in quite exactly but is can't help but to think about the similarities to this but these recent comments to me are very similar not very similar but similar to that of actor and former voice of bayonetta Hel uh, helena taylor if you guys remember i believe not too long ago i believe it was, was it this year was it this year i i feel like it was so long ago but it might have been still this year that that happened uh what a bayonetta 3 so many games that i played that i don't remember okay that came out last year so last year was the big controversy over that game because um of the recent announcement that helena taylor spoke about how much she was offered for that role like it which is still more than with apparently uh would uh, jennifer hell actually got paid she got paid 1200 back then and again that was P that was playstation one era so it you know 1200 then and 4000 now may be kind of equivalent you know inflation uh cost you know or offer that was given during the time because it's 2023 now but she spoke i mean she spoke about this a while ago saying that she was offered 4000 recently for bayonetta 3 only for fans and media to discover that actually more media than fans to discover that she was offered way more than that than what she originally stated and she had to she had to cover her ass then because of it she had to go back and retract what she said and, and clarify what she said but when she said it was only four thousand, it had fans if you guys remember all a lot of fans were in an uproar i believe this made tmz as well that's how crazy this was like it, it made it into tmz's um radar and basically she it was the wording and how she said it so she just said four thousand and it made people believe that she only got paid four thousand but she didn't describe 
you know what exactly was and it was later explained by her and a a uh, writer of uh, i forgot whatever what um with media outlet that you know exposed it i don't know if it's forbes or new york or whatever something something major that exposed it and that said that she got paid more uh than that there was offered more than that and jennifer hell also said that she was paid uh a good amount she was paid fairly for her role as it and she didn't have that same issue um that they that she that helena taylor claimed like helena just fully like she she screwed herself over with that jennifer not so much in this case but i can't help but to think because you know she's saying one figure in one aspect but then there she also said another figure in another aspect so it's like they people have to be careful like you you gotta when you have like in a court of law this probably would have been this probably would have been bad because if you're going out to say one figure and then you say another figure somewhere else you're not keeping consistent with what you're saying inconsistency matters and conviction matters as well so if you're not saying it with conviction and your figures is not right it just looks bad on you in this case um i would say the same thing for people who always you know who would put the blame on somebody for making accusations of somebody for some reason there's some people who will have conviction in their saying and their their consistency of what they say keeps sticking and sticking and then there are other people who were saying like this happened and then something later we hear something different to that to that measure it happens it happens on all on both grounds and that so she also mentioned that platinum games earned an enormous amount of money from the franchise um but later you know many later discovered that the company i remember she said that like they got paid multiple million dollars way more than we would expect for like bayonetta to get to be being paid for like one and two and all that stuff and then we found out later that the company didn't profit nearly as much for you know bayonetta as taylor stated so it's one of those things like yeah, people got to be careful when they talk about things like this especially now because the sag after strike is going after the video game industry so they really got to be tight they really got to be tight I, I can tell you this like when people talked about what they were going through before with the writer with the uh sag after strike for the video game industry before i've heard the same thing from different people i've heard consistency from different actors that i've talked to and interviewed before when they were doing this strike and mostly because of their health um and i talked about this with boris from um when we did the rampage rebel podcast uh, last week like they 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 hurt their voices every single time they do this stuff man so um they're fighting for a lot they they rightfully warrant they're, they're rightfully fighting for their value and, and their health and well-being so i'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen is because you know all this talking is in light of all this in a lot of ways going back to helena teller was she not wrong for saying that because honestly even still with the amount that she did say she was offered i still say that's still not enough these guys do depending on what game they're they're, they're like i can believe that more that metal gear solid got an enormous amount of cash even if it's whether it's 270 or 176 that is still profiting an enormous amount of money from the work that she did and everybody involved in that game did that game 
mind you, is a revolutionary game in the in gaming history. It is a game back in the PlayStation 1 era that has done things that we have never seen before. Satoshi Kojima has done things in that game. He's developed a game doing that does things that nobody like the fact that you had a character that knew exactly what was in your memory card and would recite that in order for you to not to beat him you had to switch out the memory card so that so the character wouldn't know what you were doing that is genius that is knowing how to work the damn system okay so that game was a literally a game changer it was revolutionary and it's iconic it made iconic money unfortunately the actors and maybe the developers as well to that extent didn't make nearly as much as what they should have gotten and they didn't make to their credit they didn't make the deals good enough for them um but this is what they're fighting for now they're fighting to do that and i'm sure she said that just to get it out there but at the same time it's like you gotta get your figure straight <laughs> you gotta make sure that if you said 270 million before that that should have been accurate that you should have did your homework before saying that and now you said it on a on another media outlet that is 176 and you may be right on both ends either way either or they're both major amounts of money that they could have like here here is a hundred grand for your role and that, like actors don't get like there's a, so many different tier actors out there and some like there's less nolan norths and troy bakers then there are like Stephanie Shays and, and Kyle Abairds and all that stuff too. And then there's people below that. So you got those guys who get paid a substantial amount. And then you got the Troy Bakers and all that stuff that like, they get paid. They, Nolan North gets paid. Okay. These are the highest of the high. That's why when the writer strike, when the actor strike became before, those two went against it. And it is always the case. Whenever there is a possible strike coming or a strike going on, there's always those those higher paid actors or people that will defend the system because they're getting paid for it. And I never understood that. John Cena also did that. Uh, Roman Reigns, you know, um, Seth Rollins, they all in the wrestling industry when it, when when is when a subject of a strike if there was subject of a strike that happens they're quick to defend the wwe because they're the ones that are benefiting from it the most i hate that i hate that because it's like yes you benefited the most from it but you don't think that if you, and you were in that same position so you don't think from your experience that you they shouldn't get paid more they shouldn't be because if they get paid more then you get paid more so why not support that like why not like are you kidding me? It, it just boggles me. So I remember when Nolan North did that. And I actually talked to uh, Stephanie Shea about that back then because Nolan North went on to the Game Awards, I think, and spoke against the, the strike, which a lot of it threw a lot of people off when he did that. Still to this day. And, you know, you'll hear it. We'll, we'll talk about that um, when I put the. Uh, the the rewind episode up you know next week it was a it was a great it was one of my favorite interviews in all the interviews that i've ever done still still uh because it was just so candid it was so transparent she talked about things that were like the uh, really kind of the misconceptions of what people think in terms of what actors get and what actors do and what actors you know possibly you know 
make and on a daily basis and all this stuff. I she is I, I she is just awesome. So I am ready and uh again I am I don't know when they're gonna do this strike, but I'm hoping it is not soon. I still have the upcoming interview with um with Amanda uh, C. Miller, the voice of Barto, because we're gonna be talking about the upcoming uh Barto uh cross uh, Naruto cross Barto Ultimate Ninja Storm Connections that is coming out in November. So uh we we are scheduled to you know have her back on air and maybe somebody i might get somebody else try to get somebody else from the cast to come back somebody has already been on before that i believe will be a part of that game as well and uh he's been on a roll too so i got his no i literally have his number in my contacts and i haven't reached out to him but i'm pretty sure he would be game to do it uh so i'll stay tuned for that 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 definitely might happen as well so um you know We'll see, but I'm, you know, once the strike happens, much like the SAG after strike, I'm all for it because the gaming industry is the same problem that these other industries are having. Y'all need to stop trying to shortchange and devalue people and give them their worth. That's all everybody's asking for, especially when you're making that much money. That's all I'm saying. So, all right. Definitely want to give my last thing to talk about here because we're heading into New York Comic Con next week. And for those who won't be able to make it, want to actually experience some of the panels that I will be at, you will have a chance to do it too, because Repop is doing live streams of a lot of panels, uh, which is something I don't believe they've done before. I, they did it last year with the uh, for Nintendo because Nintendo Direct, there was a live Nintendo Direct showing of the Super Mario Brothers movie last year. Um, but that was the only time I think they've ever done that. But now they're doing live streams of really big panels one of which is I, the one the biggest one that i'm i got reserved for is the dragon ball panel that i'm now officially guaranteed knowing something big is going to happen because one it's in the it's in the biggest hall that they have is it empire hall um stage which is like their hall h can fit about like a few thousand people in that uh in that place and I'm going to be right at the very front of that. If y'all see my pictures, go on talktimelive.com. If you see um, the pictures that I had from last year, like the uh, Oscar Isaac panel and all the stuff, like I am, I could have just went up there and just shook his hand pretty much, but also got tackled by security in the process. But, you know, media, what can you do? So I'll be at the front getting pictures, getting footage, all that stuff there. But the Dragon Ball panel will be shown there as well. Critical Role will be there doing a live panel as well. That one will be at 11 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time. Um, 12 p.m., 12.45 p.m. will be the Dragon Ball panel. I don't know what's gonna happen, but they're saying major surprises is gonna happen, major reveals are gonna happen. Uh, again, I don't know if the actors, like Sean Schimmel and Chris Sabat will be there, but I, I, I thought that they were able to do it, but the cast of Dragon Ball and Naruto are making appearances everywhere um so i don't know if there's a different contractual agreement to the anime industry towards what's going on but these guys are making being able to make panel um visits and all this stuff so and molly again molly is going to be doing a panel as well not on the not in the stage or not live stream but she's going to have her own panel at new york comic-con as well because they're celebrating naruto's birthday so she will definitely be there too but the dragon ball panel i think something major is going to happen rather if it isn't sean schimmel 
and and Chris Abbott and the cast of Naruto, it is pops. I think Akira Toriyama might be there, and I could be wrong, and I hope I'm not, but I could be wrong. It has to be something big, but I also think a something huge is going to be revealed there. Maybe a new series, maybe a new movie, something. They they you don't put this on Empire stage for no reason. Imp like they put big things in Empire stage, and it's live streaming, so something major they're looking for something to go viral with this so we'll see what happens there ian mcgregor will also do a spotlight there as well again these actors are making appearances because they're not doing any other post uh, projects that they're going to be promoting so i guess they're going to talk about past projects or whatever like that futurama hulu's new futurama series will also be doing a panel i don't know if the actors i don't think the actors are going to be making it there i don't know how what they're going to do or whatnot for that but that's going to be uh at empire stage or the main stage as well actually for what i understand that's going to be the main stage because they got things highlighted in yellow and white the yellow is for empire stage and the white is for um main stage so that's going to be main stage right there which i think is like their ballroom 20 <laughs> at this point uh aemc network uh networks uh and amc plus presents the walking dead universe i don't again i don't know what that entails okay they, they i don't know what they haven't spoke really spoken about what that entails but that's going to be an empire stage as well so they got some really things really interesting things set up um adult swim presents a first look at new and returning series uh is coming on the main stage at 5 45 p.m uh what day is that day oh thursday the 12th is the day and bloom house bloom fest 2023 i believe this is the studio that is coming doing the five um nights at freddy's movie that's coming out soon uh for on peacock and in theaters which i was i wasn't going to check that movie out but because it's based on the actual video game i wasn't sure if it was based on a video game or not but this is a video game live adaptation so because it is i am going to check out this because i see this game all the time and i'm like this game looks cryptic and creepy as hell i don't want to play this what the hell so think it's enough for them to come out with a movie adaptation for it all right i'm i'm gonna look at this i'm gonna watch it i may actually do a review on this when i get back and get my thoughts and see all right is this worthy of me actually playing it's made it to like it it it, it must be popular enough to make it uh, to make it to a live adapt you know notation movie and film so we'll see I'm, i'll check it out but that's going to be there too so i'm pretty sure five nights and freddy is going to be a highlight of that too so um what is not mentioned in this promotion from Popverse and repop is that they didn't mention the final fantasy rebirth panel which they just announced that was going to happen in empire stage as well with the full cast from final fantasy uh rebirth uh, that is coming out soon and i'm excited about that i'm really excited about that like again i'm going to have full front row access to a lot of these things so i'm looking forward to it god bless you repop thank you for the opportunity and thank you for the badge and just everything that i like god that, that look <laughs> i'm not i don't complain about things i am so grateful of the things that i'm able to do on this show because there's a time i would not be alive to do this stuff so yay <laughs> so folks that will do it for what's new in the world of acmg we're going to take a break come back and i will talk about the premiere episode of season two of loki and what is going on and what should we look out for and we'll do that right after this 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Dak Xavier Josiah, the host of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the podcast. You want to catch up with all of our podcast shows and hear from some of the hottest names in all of anime, comics, movies, and games, such as... This is Miley Flanagan, the voice of Naruto. This is Stephanie Shea, the voice of Sailor Moon. This is Ruben Langdon, voice of Ken Masters and Dante from Devil May Cry. Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. This is Chris Battle, character designer of Teen Titans Go! Here's your chance to check out all of that and more on Talk Time Live. TalkTimeLive.com provides all of our ACMG content with new and previous episodes, exclusive interviews, articles, and much more. Visit TalkTimeLive.com and let us help you learn to let go, live life, and love all things ACMG. Talk Time Live. This is Charlotte Chung. And Fred Tatashore. And you're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Do it. And now, it's time for our Talk Topic of the Week. Ready? Fight! Folks, we are back with our Talk Topic of the Week, and it is my look at Season 2 of Loki, the first episode, the debut episode, if you will. And um, this episode absolutely made one thing clear. They are fully supporting Jonathan Majors in the case against his ex-girlfriend. That was extremely evident when you watched this. Like, his face is plastered everywhere, and he wasn't even in the damn episode. Like, I mean, there were, like, statues with his face on it. There was ceiling, you know, wall designs of his face on it. It was just everywhere. Like, they are full force, and they knew this. They knew this from the jump, and I think that they're really fully supporting him, and it, it was just extremely telling. Um, they weren't pulling back and they actually did make a comment about it. Somebody, I forgot what interview it was, but they did interview the producers or showrunners or whatever, uh, this series and say like, you know, in light of all the things that he's going to, or did, was there any thoughts of you guys backing down from, uh, using him? And they said, no, he's a pivotal role in, this, in the entire universe. We're using him. They didn't, they didn't, they said that they were supporting him without really saying they supported him. And this was another way of showing that. Like it was amazing. <laughs> like this dude was all up there. So if you had any thoughts and I knew, honestly, I mentioned this a while back. They, I knew they were supporting him because when they started showing they, they, they held back a little bit until they got more evidence. And when they, when the evidence started coming out and the video footage started coming out based on the accusations of what the, um, ex-girlfriend was saying, I knew that they were supporting because they started even on Disney plus when, uh, Ant-Man, uh, and, um, the quantum came out, Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, verse came out. They showed his face and normally if somebody did something really if they thought that he was guilty of what he was doing he would be erased they would have even if they would have erased him they would have not shown him at all they wouldn't advertise him they barely advertised him on the trailers to the dvds and blu-rays but that was only before because they didn't have all the evidence yet but they still needed to promote this movie by the time they found his evidence they went full force and even down the line that he just read the more. And I would say Jonathan Majors has done all the right things leading up to this court case and all this stuff that's come out. So it'll be interesting to see what happens during this court case. But either way, court of public opinion is like, you know, especially after seeing the video footage of his ex actually 
going back to partying after she claims that he insulted her and broke her armor. Like if your arm is broken, I, I said this before, if your arm is broken, I've had injuries before. Like I punched a window <laughs> in high school where it led to a huge laceration in my hand, puddles of blood. I hate to be graphic, but it was puddles of blood leading that was leading a trail from the fourth floor of my high school to the third floor into the nurse's office. If that has happened to me, I'm going to the hospital. I'm not going to hang out with my friends in the, in the schoolyard or whatever like that after the fact, because I'm losing blood. <laughs> I'm losing consciousness. If I'm injured in any anything, I'm going straight to the hospital. No, this woman went from allegedly saying that she was, you know, assaulted to going back into the club that I don't care what anybody's that makes no sense at all none so Disney looked at that probably and was like whatever man like no we're still supporting you don't like don't even worry about it so yeah he's fully in he's still in as many people would say it as he should and that's that man um until otherwise that's that I don't I, I I'd be surprised if he really gets accused for this it's, it's just I, I just can't see it and neither does Disney apparently so this episode takes place right after the events of the first season where Loki returns to a timeline where Mobius and Hunter B-15 doesn't recognize him and that was kind of left on a cliffhanger as we saw he who remains face as a as like an actual um statue you know immortalizing him and we thought it was Kang. We kind of is Kang to some extent, but it's a, another variant of that version. Turns out that from this first episode, at least that Loki actually was time slipping into the past, which would put Loki back and forth into both timelines while splitting himself apart. So he would end up in that area where Mobius and Hunter B-15 didn't recognize him and because it was the past and then all of a sudden he ends up in the future where they do know him so that's where everything comes into the, the confusion ends at this point so Loki explains to Mobius and the TVA that he who remains which we all know is one of the variants of Kang uh was the one behind the order and chaos of all the timelines in the time the in the TVA uh funny moment though Mobius, you know, said, you know, there's a there's a part of the episode where Loki keeps calling him he who remains, he who remains. He's not saying the actual name of the person because that's all he describes himself to. And Mobius is like, why would anybody call himself he, he who remains? That's very arrogant. It's um, Mobius ends up saying like someone calling himself he who remains is a bit arrogant. It's like calling someone the last man standing. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty, I thought that was a pretty funny moment right there. There was a lot of pretty cute, funny moments in there, but he also explains to Mobius and B-15 that Sylvie was the one that caused the timelines to spread, creating the multiple new timelines that is now occurring and the chaos that is ensuing because she killed he who remains at this point. And now there's a new version, a variant that comes right after. So as, and if you watch ant-man and the quantum verse you know that there's just more than one and there's a bunch of them coming in here to that extent so they seek the aid of somebody who can help and that person is aura boris who aka they call him ob played by k uh, k who uh kwan you guys of course know him from uh 
Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, everywhere, anything, anything, everywhere, all at once. Of course, uh, you know, Oscar nominated, you know, of uh, course. Um, and he's in here to keep Loki from slip time slipping. He doesn't believe him at first, but then he sees Loki going back and forth in the timeline. So Loki is meeting him in the past and everything they do in the past, Obi in the future starts to remember because now he's in the past and he's talking to Mobius and stuff like that. So I like the way that they weave that in together in that, in that sense. It was really cool. Loki and Mobius try to find a way to keep Loki from time splitting, uh, splitting or, you know, time slipping, I should say, and splitting his body into two, both by doing something very risky. Obi explained that in order to keep him in the current timeline, he would have to position himself at the right time in order to prone himself. Mobius at the same time has uh, to be in the position by going to the extractor to pull Loki from the time stream all at the same time. And they need to time this right. It gets a little messy, but if they mess up, Loki will in fact uh, be lost in time forever and being split apart like he's going through a black hole. And it's funny because Obi mentions do you know what happens when somebody's near a black hole and how you turn into spaghetti? And when he said that, the first thing I thought of was Mortal Kombat 1 because I didn't realize that was a real thing. But if you play Mortal Kombat 1, you play this fire guy, Liu Kang, one of his fatalities is that he takes you, he, he teleports you into space right where there's a black hole there and just holds you there. Why the black hole sucks every bit of you in there and you start to dematerialize into spaghetti exactly as ob was saying so i'm like i didn't realize that that's a real thing i just thought that that's something that you know far be it for me to understand science or learn more about science but i learned something today <laughs> with that one because apparently that is i guess that is exactly what happens when a person is near a black hole i don't know how they know that and how that came to be but it's just not a coincidence that Netherrealm has created a fatality that allows you to that happens to your enemies when it, when you take them to that black hole to OB saying that same exact thing. So I got I'm very interested in learning more about that situation and how they learned about that. But it's uh, very interesting to know that that would happen to uh, Loki if they things go wrong. So OB uh, basically what happens is um, they try it. He goes, they try to do this and try to pull him back. Loki ends up back in the past and that wasn't a plan. So it looks like he ended up going into the past and they, he has to make it back and he has to do it on time. But for some reason, while he's there, he somehow feels and senses that Sylvie's around and he decides to seek her and she, you know, ends up being in an elevator to some extent and he wasn't going to leave they only had 30 seconds left and he's wasting time but he felt like he had to be there just to make sure that he saw sylvie and obi try at the same time during the, the present obi tries to tell mobius that the uh, he has to come back they're running out of time he's going to have to close up the uh the station while he's out there in this really crappy spacesuit that has cracks in it and it looks wear, wear uh, like a lot of wear and tear in it as well. So 
Mobius is determined to make sure that he stay back. He waits a little bit longer, even after the 30 seconds. And turns out that Mobius begins to turn back as Loki finds Sylvie coming from the elevator. He then decides to prone himself right at the very second before getting lost. He manages to return at the, just in the nick of time and at, right after he saw um, Sylvie. So he tells Mobius that they have to find Sylvie at this point because she is still around. She's still in some time frame or whatnot. Now that the TVA knows the deal, they are also going on a search for Sylvie as Hunter B-15 watches a load of uh, dozens of troops head into the portal to try to find Sylvie. This ends, this is how this story ends, but I believe for the first time, they have an end credit scene here. So after the credits roll up, we see a scene. I love this and I shouldn't love this because this is so, this is, but we knew this was gonna be. We knew this was gonna be something because McDonald's has been, had a insanely huge campaign leading up to the to the first episode or this the season the premiere of this series because what we for what you understand mcdonald's is going to play a heavy you know um a heavy part of this series and we saw a little bit of a glimpse of it during the um the mcdonald's campaign as featured from here as well so this leads to selfie or to sylvie returning to a timeline that takes her to 1982 and boy did i the reason why i did like this this is total blatant product placement we know this but why i love this is because it was 1982 and i was just a little kid in 1982 you know what always made me happy going into mcdonald's in 1982 and it was the mcdonald's that i grew up with that really made it so awesome they reconstructed an entire set that looks exactly like McDonald's from 1982. And on top of that, she goes in there and they just, the camera just panning and you got people looking like dressed up like they're in the eighties, Hades hairstyle, everything just, and it has a certain glow and it's beautifully done, beautifully marketed to the way McDonald's wants you to, to remember how it looks like in 1982, but just perfectly cleaned up and everything It's just, just pretty awesome. And here she walks in to an old school McDonald's and talks to the cashier. And she looks at like she wants she says she wants something to eat. It does, she doesn't want anything to be alive or whatever. or She doesn't want to see the face, or whatever. And the guy, the, the cashier at the McDonald's said, well, we have our brand new chicken McNuggets reminding people that the chicken McNugget, which is 82, 92, 2003. It's 40 years old. The Chicken McNugget is 40 years old. It premiered and debuted. They reminded us that it, it debuted in 1982. It is 40 years old and over 40 years old, I should say. And I was like, wow. Talk about legacy. Talk about history of a brand. That is awesome. And a, this was a great way to celebrate it. And she just decided it was like, I want everything on the menu. People, when I tell you, talk about great branding <laughs> and, break, and great marketing, you couldn't have got better marketing and promotion and branding than to have McDonald's featured on low key. 
and to do it and it felt like it wasn't overly done it didn't feel like it was you know just shoving it down our throats it just felt pleasant it felt subtle and it just beautiful form of nostalgia right there and i can't wait to see sylvie work for mcdonald's it is going to be it's going to be fantastic so that's how the episode ended i thought the episode was really good it was solid it didn't i know a lot of there was some reviews out there that there was a view that that said it was good i think GameSpot said it was good ign i believe didn't like it as much which tells you how subjective you know reviews are in a, in a case i thought it was solid i thought it's like if i'm going to grade it as a b but i also know that we're getting ready for some major things that are going to happen down the line like they can't go at the jugular already this is not one of those shows it there's a all lead into some really major things happening and in some ways it may even connect to ant-man and what is what happened in that situation too and this is also leading into secret wars and um the kang dynasty like this is all gonna this is gonna be and of course we did if you watch the end credit scene from in uh the quantum verse we also saw a scene where timely victor timely is going to be appear which is another variant of kang and by the way for those who don't know there's an inside thing for that the victor timely character that jonathan majors is going to play i'm i will bet dollars to donuts and a better view from baylor's donuts that the last name of timely is an homage to timely comics which for those of you who don't know before marvel comics ever came marvel comics is in is a offset of what used to be known as timely comics before marvel comics it was timely comics and i believe that's an homage to that because it's around i think the the timeline falls around that era so i if I, I could be wrong about that but i'm i i wouldn't it's no coincidence that the dude last name is named timely for a reason so just take note for that but that's how it is i'm expecting i'm expecting some really good stuff coming out of this you know the first low key was awesome i think people just need to be patient and don't just grade everything based on the first episode i'm looking for the long run again i talk about spending versus investing you're worrying about the one aspect of today let's think about invest in the long run of this series to see what's going to happen from there and i so far so good i watched it twice and i enjoy what i watch and i'm looking forward to it and i like the fact that they got short round in this series as well so um that dude is awesome i love him fantastic so there you have it folks that will do it for this edition the final show before we head over to new york comic-con uh, like I said, next week we will not have a show, but in its place, I will throw up the uh, Talk Time Live exclusive rewind episode of my interview with myself and Stephanie Shea as we talk about Sailor Moon, we talk about Orihime, we talk about uh, everything that she's involved with, and you get to hear her talk about the SAG after strike that they were going under against the video game industry, it was just only a few years ago mind you so stay tuned for that and much much more going in after that because i will I, I i might actually have two episodes um or i may just there's a few episodes that i did not know that you guys weren't privy to 
uh, because I, when I switched providers, they didn't have everything, everything up there. So I am going to, and these are the audio episodes only. These were before these interviews were before I started doing video, um, video, uh, episodes. So I didn't get a chance to ever do a video. Well, that's not true. I did a panel with Stephanie Shea and the cast of Bleach and the cast of Sailor Moon, which you can see on TalkToMLive.com, along with all the other video interviews that I've ever done. There's like like 30 interviews. Or, there's a lot of interviews that I've done video, um, which are great and more to come. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Um, it, it, just forget this year. I just had a panel. My last inter- video interview, I believe, was with Molly. So um, before she she came to Philly for Fan Expo. So that's there. There's so many other great interviews there. Kyle Abair, when we talked about, you know, uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero was on air as well. And a little bit on uh, Super, uh, Dra- um, not Dragon Ball, uh, Street Fighter 6, uh, when they announced him to be the returning voice in there. So all that's there. You could check out all that on TalkTimeLive.com where all of our audio episodes, our video exclusives is there. The panels from Repop in 2021 are there, you know, with full interviews and clips from, you know, My Hero Academia when I work with them and the OG Pokemon crew is all there. Uh, just you're, you'll enjoy it all. So stay tuned for that and much, much more on talktumlive.com. If you are a person who subscribes and downloads podcasts onto your iPhones or listening to it on the radio on the way to work or at work and on your desk, if you work, you know, corporate or office jobs or whatnot, you can subscribe and download this show to all of your favorite podcast platforms. That's Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, TuneIn, Audible, Pocket Cast, Pandora, you name it. We are on some new platforms as well. Just go ahead, keep us going and keep us growing from there. And just thank everybody and all of our newest listeners for even talking, even taking the time to listen to the show, to be entertained by the show. So thank you so very much and stay tuned because we got a lot more coming when I have more footage, more video coverage coming from New York Comic Con and all that is much more. So guys, thank you again. That'll do it for me on behalf of myself. This is Dak Xavier Josiah saying, learn to let go, live life and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. I am out there. Take care and Let's have a great time in New York, people. Music for this episode is provided by Game Chops. Check out these great chiptune tracks and more at music.gamechops.com.